Welcome to another episode of Arena Game Shorts, powered by Zwift. We had eight episodes, we're up to episode number eight, I think, and once again, we've got a big name in the world of swim, bike, and run who's joining us for Arena Games coming up in London. We're already in Arena Games down. If you missed it, everything's on Super League's YouTube channel, and already we're looking forward to heading back to the 2012 London Olympic Aquatic Centre. And a host of new names are joining us who didn't compete in Munich. And there are a few fallen soldiers who are pulling out and thinking, I think I'll just get to Singapore next because that was tough when who did compete in Munich. But amongst the new faces, world number 15, Sian Rainsley, is joining me right now. And part of a serious Sian quartet of British female athletes who will be there. First of all, how are you feeling about making your Super League debut? Yeah, I'm really excited actually. I've been watching it for the last few years and always wanted to get involved in, um, yeah, the short course racing looks really fast and exciting. Um, also pretty nervous because it looks really, really hard. So just going to have to see see how I get on. We like to make it look as hard as possible, but I can tell you the experience is not a pretty one for any athlete. I mean, you, it, even when you hear the questions being asked like, so what's your game plan for this stage? And they're like, no game plan, just run and swim. And, and ride a bike, that's it, I've got nothing else. Um, I guess when you're watching Munich, you're probably thinking the same thing, but what, what might play into your hands is, I know that you're a strong swimmer and, and, um, and strong swimmers tend to excel in this format. Yeah, so I have grown up doing swimming since I was basically a baby. Um, so I've grown up doing hours and hours of swimming, so hopefully the pool swim will suit me. Um, I'm really, yeah, a 50 meter pool, some tumble turns, dives, being a swimmer, it should definitely help compared to open water swimming. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed for that one. I know you split your, your swim sessions. You do an open water swim session every week and you do pool swimming. So, I mean, there are, there are some athletes that don't do any pool swimming and it can really show when you watch them try and do tumble turns, basically, and they just they lose a second or two at each end. So but those technical parts of the swim, is that something you're feeling confident in? Yeah, I think so. And I think when you're really tired, it could even potentially show more. Um, I'm definitely not the nippiest at tumble turns myself. I think being taller does actually help because you can turn slightly further away from the wall. Um, but yeah, when you're in a fatigued state and you're used to doing the tumble turns every session, it will hopefully come into our hands. What about the try to do, like put on your goggles and cap as fast as possible because we have seen people come unstuck on these little funny one percenters in the arena games like running around to transition in and having to put your goggles and cap on and just lose five seconds because you can't do it because your heart rate's 265,000. What about that? Yeah, so that is the little bits that I'm quite nervous about having watched like the last arena games and things. Some of the, some people absolutely nailed it and people were losing, yeah, like you said, 10 seconds sometimes. Um, so I'm, I've practiced a bit this week and sometimes it went really well and other times my cap popped off a bit. So it's just going to be a hope. Well, yeah, just hope in the situation it goes the 50% of the way where it is uh, in my favour. <laughs> Do you know what would help if you shaved your head? How committed are yeah. you? I have, uh, yeah, a few of the guys have jokes that, but <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go for the nice plaits and pray that it all stays together. <laughs> okay, I understand like the, the Charles Barkley battle braids type scenario. I yeah, definitely. Probably better than, <laughs> you know, doing that for two hours and then having a shaved head for the next six months, probably not the best, not the best ever, but no, if you're no, really I committed, that. if you were really committed, you consider it, but that's fine. Now, Tell about tell us about yourself uh, as an athlete, introducing yourself to, to you know to a new another new audience, I suppose. 
you're only in your mid twenties, as I know, and I only know because we have already tried to do this podcast once and you told me it was your birthday next Tuesday. I can't really claim that I knew that already, although I should have. Um, <laughs> but even though you're only in your mid twenties, you've been around for so many years. So when did you start in triathlon? How did it progress? Yeah, so I did my first triathlon when I was eight years old. So I've been going for a long time now. Um, yeah, I'd always sort of swam and ran as a kid, um, being pretty active. And somebody just suggested doing an aquathon, which is the swimming and running side of things. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, and there was sort of a West Midlands, I'm from Coventry, so there was sort of a regional series. Um, so it kind of got me into triathlon that way. I wanted to do a few more aquathons and then the triathlons and the duathlons were just part of that series. So yeah, since I was uh, seven, eight, I've been doing that series growing up. And then obviously by the time you sort of hit 14, 15, you start making the youth teams, junior teams. And yeah, so I've came through the full ranks um, basically in triathlon. And you kind of arrived at, at the elites like in probably in the last 18 months or so, and you arrive at a time when Team GB and the female side is unbelievably, ridiculously strong, probably the strongest it has ever been. Is that annoying? I would be annoyed. <laughs> um, I can't lie, it's a little bit annoying. It's really, really cool in one like in one way. Like You literally sit on the start line in the strongest team in the world, knowing that on your day you could all get top 10s, top 15s. Um, but on the other hand, of trying to make teams and get starts and guaranteed starts, it makes life really hard as well. Um, but I guess it sort of does push you all to be even better um, to make those teams. So it does it does help in the long run. Cause I, yeah, I spoke to Jess Learmonth in one of these episodes, and she hasn't made the Commonwealth Games team yet. And you're just like, how is that possible yeah. that she doesn't make a Com Games team and she's got an Olympic medal? It's it's ridiculous and. I think it's going to be like like some of the younger girls coming through as well. It's going to be like this for a really long time now. Um, but, yeah, I think it's cool. Um, but, yeah, really hard at the same time. So who do you train with? Where do you train? Are you one of the – like I'm not, I'm not 100% sure of your background in terms of what work, who you train with and, and, and who you spend time with. Um, so I'm actually based in Leeds. I came here for uni um, about six years ago and decided to stay just because – well, it's one of the best centres in the world for training. Uh, it's a really good squad. Um, made sense to sort of train here after uni as well. Uh, so I train with the likes of Jess, um, Georgia Taylor-Brown, Non Stanford, Vicky Holland, um, Kate Worth, uh, some of the sort of guys as well, like Tom Bishop, who's my partner. Um, so yeah, it's a really strong squad of people. And it, if you want to be the best, you've got to train with the best. So... Yeah, it's a cool environment to be in, training next to like world champions, Olympic medalists, um, every single day. So when you're at home with Tom, obviously both professional triathletes, do you, you just speak about triathlon all the time? Because like, for example, like I work in television, my wife works in television, we don't watch any television, cannot deal yeah. with it. Or is it. No, we don't, we definitely don't. We like switching off away from triathlon. I guess the odd chat sometimes comes up, but no, we tend to just watch something on tv we tend to go and play like we're quite competitive at game of dominoes <laughs> or card games and stuff we go for like a drink down the road and just play a game um and tend to have friends over we like hosting dinners and things so yeah we distract ourselves from training really yeah fair enough fair enough i can understand that 100 percent. now you've had a i suppose a an interesting run um uh, than compared to a lot of other uh, lifelong triathletes in terms of 
you know, you made your training, your first training camp with Team GB at 18 years of age, and then got ill, and and it kind of continued and developed into something a little more chronic. So tell tell us about that journey and how that has changed your outlook and your training. Yeah, so I was on a good trajectory, really, sort of going through the youth squad. Um, was a good swim runner as a kid. Um, nas- made national teams for both, really. Um, came to uni and got really, really ill. Um, I was in a lot of pain, going to the toilet a lot, losing weight, didn't really know why. I was only 18 years old, so I was a bit embarrassed to really tell anyone at the time. Um, I mean, it got to the point where I just couldn't really hide it anymore. I was 49 kilograms um, and literally couldn't get outside without sort of curling over in pain. Um, So yeah, started going through a diagnosis of what was wrong, really. Um, and it turned out that I had Crohn's disease. Um, and then it became the cycle of, I sort of got put on a load of medications, which got over that and being naive at the time, I thought, oh, it's fine. I'm on the medication now. I won't be ill again. Um, but unfortunately back in sort of 2017, I had a few more issues, but by 2018, I was actually admitted into hospital. Um, and I'd been put on immunosuppressants to control my Crohn's disease, but too high of a dose, really, for being like an elite athlete for my size and build. Um, so my immune system was just crashed, basically. I had neutropenia, which means basically no white blood cells. Um, so I was just picking up every illness out there. Um, so I had to stay in hospital for a bit to sort of get my white blood cell count back up. To get that back up, it meant I then flared up again because I had to come off my medications Um, so 2018 was a really hard year and it definitely obviously sort of stopped my progression in sport I wasn't really training much or able to do much at all Um, and then since then we've managed to sort of find the right balance Um, 2019 I was just trying to get healthy again really used to sort of get used to the medications I'd found were working for me Um, felt like I was a good place in 2020 and obviously COVID happened so I never got to really show that it was my final years and under 23 so I was pretty gutted um but it did also give me a year to just focus again on just being able to train and stay healthy um yeah and then came back in 2021 ready to go again did you ever think I mean you've obviously would have gone to some you say you talk about it now with a smile on your face but you would have gone to some pretty interesting places mentally during that I have no doubt um yeah you know, when you're that age and like I went through, not that it's the same, but I went through injuries that meant that I couldn't play sport anymore, which is how I ended up in um, in commentary. And then, you know, because I couldn't, I can talk about it. I just can't do it anymore. And I'm okay now at nearly 40 to deal with that. But when I was 19, it was like the biggest thing in the whole world. And I really went off the rails a bit for a while. And I imagine that there were times when you felt exactly the same, especially considering you were moving into the elite ranks. Yeah, uh, 2018 was really hard, if I'm honest. And I questioned if I'd even be able to do training again, let alone compete again. Um, The doctors told me I'd never be able to sort of be an elite athlete, really. Um, Especially in triathlon, they were like, that's one of the most demanding endurance sports you could pick. Um, Your body's absolutely going to say no to that. Um, You won't be able to sort of manage the training load with the fatigue of Crohn's. yeah, so I, it was a really hard time, and I and for that whole year, I did think I didn't I didn't really know what to do with myself. Luckily, I was still a student, so I just kind of put all my motivation into my studies. Um, 
but yeah there was a lot going through my mind at the time of what do I do if I can't do triathlon I've done triathlon for 10 years I always just thought I'd be a triathlete um and yeah you just don't appreciate just being healthy until it's sort of taken away from you really um and I think that's the massive thing for me now is if I'm having a bad session or even a bad race I'm like I'm healthy I'm happy I'm doing what I thought I wouldn't be able to do um and you've just got to make the most of that really yeah I can I can imagine just in terms of some of the other athletes that probably less prepared for the ups and downs of bad races and good races because they have been inside the bubble for so long, which is why, and I keep talking about Jess, but you know she used to work in a supermarket and never thought that she'd be a professional triathlete. So she's so positive all the time because she's like, well, this is amazing. Like, is this something yeah. better than that? So I can see how you probably think, you know, sometimes the same way, but um, you did better than me, to be fair, because you put everything into your studies. I just went to the pub, basically. <laughs> yeah i guess people find their own ways to deal with things <laughs> or destructive yeah i get yeah. it i understand um so what does it take then you know to, to train and compete with that because it's not gone away you know you're managing no. it right so what i imagine is like you know instagram shows all the triathletes going here's my training week i trained for 756 hours and i rode four million kilometers and everyone loves to show that stuff off and I imagine your training load is nowhere near that. So how hard is that to feel like you're not being hampered? And how do you manage it? Yeah, so I think for a little time, I did feel a bit sorry for myself. Um, I thought, where have I been dealt like a hand that potentially makes it harder to be an elite athlete? And then it just turned to, well, you've got to do, all I can do is my best. Um, and all I can expect of my body is what I can manage, really. Um, and learning to adapt with that was the biggest learning curve I guess I went through a stage of trying to do the same as everyone else and learn the hard way many a times with flare-ups I had missile breakdown um so if normal normally if people go and they get really tired you just have a day off and you recover whereas for me I was literally weeing out my missiles <laughs> so it was like black wee and things so I learned yeah it was an interesting few years of just the coaches trying to find out what worked me trying to find out what worked we'd obviously never had an athlete um with IBD sort of trying to do elite sport in the triathlon side of things um but I've managed to sort of slowly I think 2020 in hindsight did slightly help me because it took the pressure off trying to sort of be super fit for racing and I could just sort of ease in with loads of aerobic training and just get a good base up um but yeah the main thing is just listening to my body if I'm tired I have to recover because I don't wow it just hits me so much harder than other people really um but yeah just it doesn't sound like much but I do four swims four runs and I was doing four rides last winter but I've managed to up it to five rides now um and if I can just tick that off every single week week on week and be consistent then it seems to be a lot better than doing five lots of everything for a month and then being in a hole for two weeks so Mm. yeah yeah Look, it sounds look. It sounds like a lot to me. So yeah, it uh, is still a lot to be fair. Yeah, it is right. Yeah. It is, that is a lot. <laughs> um, so I mean, obviously, you've learned how to listen to your body. You've learned, you know, obviously, there's a lot of mental resilience, which you would have picked up there at a lot of a younger age than a lot of other athletes. So I suppose when you step up now to elite competition, as you said, you kind of missed the end of the under 23s, and then last yeah. year you were kind of moving into the elites and stuff, and you know, you've got some results that show that, right? So top 15s in WTCS, you were third at the European Champs late last year. You've got 
some great results. So I guess that must really buoy you now to keep moving forward after the troubles that you've had and COVID and everything that's happened. You stuck with it and now it's starting to pay off. Yeah, definitely. I really surprised myself last year, if I'm honest. It's the first year, well, 2020, I knew I was sort of in an all right place, but obviously never got to race. Um, so I just turned up last year, um, hoping to just kind of be better than I was in 2019, which I knew wasn't going to be too hard going off how I'd race. Um, but yeah, I didn't expect to make it onto the World Series circuit. I didn't expect a podium at European Champs. So it all just kind of took off and I just kind of went with it, really. I raced quite a lot. I think there was a six-week period where I pretty much raced every week because I started at European Cups and got all the way to World Series by the end of it. Um, so it was really cool. Um, so, yeah, it just took off a lot quicker and a lot faster than I thought it was going to. It's, such, it's so good to hear after the journey that you've been on, I suppose. And uh, I guess now, I mean, what about 2022? Obviously, you're doing this in the Arena Games, and we'll talk about that in more specifics in a minute. But what's your major uh, goals, I suppose, for for 2022? Now you've got you've had a good year, and you, you want to progress. So what are you aiming at in terms of your big races? Yeah, so I feel like I've had another good winter of training. Um managed to keep my Crohn's at bay for another year which is obviously good um I've ticked off some of my biggest weeks of training so hopefully I feel like I'm in a better place so hopefully it'll show in racing as well um I think for me it's just I missed the start of the world series circuit last year like I didn't get a start at Yokohama and things so I'll be starting at Yokohama this year and be straight in with the world series um I just like to be a bit more competitive so both to turn those top 15s into top 10s um try and be at the pointier end of races if um hopefully my swim should be good enough and just sort of get stuck in there with the top girls really um but yeah just get involved in that again and I'll be racing the European champs probably again the super league so there's lots of um new opportunities to to enjoy this year as well yeah, well hopefully a good showing in London and then in Singapore and you can find your way onto the start list for the championship series later on in the year which would be ideal because I know you're a you know, mixed team relay, you've got some great results. Obviously, Team GB, I mean, you've got some great athletes around you as well, but it does set you up for this distance. And when you look at the start list for London, there's a Jess Learmonth, the George Taylor Brown, and a Beth Potter. So basically yeah. what you've got there is you've got Olympic medalists, another Olympic medalist, I mean, the world's fastest 5K runner on the road. You might, in the WTCS, you might make a top 10, but still not be in the top five British women. But that aside... That's quite a list of, uh, of Brits to be racing alongside, so it'll make you feel at home at least. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I train with these girls every day, so I see where the standards are. And um, every year, like this winter, I was just trying to inch a little bit closer again. Um, and that's just my goal each year is just try and move a little bit closer um, towards them. But, yeah, it's going to be some tough racing. Those girls are in good shape. And um, it's pretty exciting to be on the start line with them, if I'm honest. Obviously... You grow up and you look up to them. They are Olympic medalists, world champions and stuff. And you can't, yeah, you can't help but admire the training they've done. And, yeah, you just see where the goalpost is at, really. How about Beth Potter uh, in Munich? It was it was like difficult for me to commentate it because she was so far ahead of everybody else that we should, by the time that, you know, everyone else got in the pool, she was like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm done here. You know, it was quite incredible, wasn't it? She's in... Yeah, oh, it was dominant. It was a really dominant performance and she just nailed every section of it, like transition, swim, bike, camera. And so I think she's going to be hard to beat. Um, 
So it would be interesting to see her go up against um, some of the other Brits and see how they all get on with each other, really. Um, but yeah, we'll see you next weekend. Yeah, I mean, let's throw in, why don't we throw in Cassandra Beaugrand and her ridiculous run and the podium getter and Annabelle Canole from Munich and the toughness of Anna Godoy who didn't have the, her best outing uh, in Munich and will be better. It's quite an incredible field. So what, what would you be happy with coming away from this? Is it is it top five? Is it podium or go home? What's your, what's your internal goal tell you? If I'm honest, I, can, I have no idea really. I think it's my first Super League. I think all these girls have done the Super Leagues or the Arena Games before, um, so they know what to expect slightly more. Um, so I'm not putting too much pressure on myself. I'm just hoping I can learn a lot from this one before Singapore, um, potentially. Um, but yeah, everyone wants to go there and be as high up in the field as they can. Um, like you said, I know I can swim well, so hopefully if I can try and get out and stay there in the swift and not mess up getting my feet in somehow or something um yeah that'd be good yeah not getting your feet in the shoes big problem um and we saw the yeah. men basically not even put their feet in their shoes at all they just straight on top just went like maybe that's something you want to consider um i think yeah. i'm going yeah i think that's the method i think i try to get them in quicker and your avatar just goes nowhere so i'm yeah. just gonna go feet on top get going and then worry about that afterwards. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the key being to get onto that front group out of the swim because if someone gets shelled five seconds on the, at the you see them just get spat. It happened to Martin Van Riel. If it happens to Martin Van Riel, right, it happened to everyone. Right? There's no yeah, it could happen to any of us. That's exactly right. So that's the plan, right? So get out of the water quickly, stay in that group on the bike and then just try and hang in and use Zwift to be able to yo-yo your watts up and down and stay with that pack. And I guess that's a real skill that it's different Zwift. I mean, it's, it, it, I guess it demands different things of an athlete. Uh, how much time do you spend on the platform and are you familiar with it all? Uh, or is it just, a, are you doing cramming sessions now to try and, um, to try and work out how it works? Um, so I tend to use Zwift um, a bit more in the winter when the weather's not so good. Um, like we all did a session a couple of weeks ago actually. We all met at the Brownie Centre and set up our turbos um, and used it there. So it was like me, Georgia, Non, um, Tom. We all sort of did a bit of a Zwift session then. Just when the weather's nicer and it's sunny, I tend to go out on the roads a lot more. Um, so yeah, I've done a few sessions leading into this. Um, so hopefully that will that will help. Um, yeah, so we'll see. It's funny, right? Because, you know, that's what all Brits say. The first thing they say is about the weather. <coughs> but, yeah. But, like, you've got, you've got such good roads around there that it's, you know, you can get out and about. Whereas, like, in Sydney, uh, for me, we go out, I'll get run over in, like, five minutes. But people do not want to know about you on a bike in this city. <laughs> uh, so Zwift is outstanding for me. It's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting one, though, because I don't know if you've ever done a race, but you've got to put down, like, You'll see these guys at the start of the, the start of the bike, the first few hundred meters, put down like ten watts a kilogram to get the avatar going, and then yeah. and so I do that. I get all excited at the start of a race. I'm like right, and I'm doing like five hundred watts, and then about three minutes later, I'm like I'm going to die. I have to stop. Like that's it. That's yeah. It. So during the lockdowns, um, when we were only allowed outside to do one bout of exercise a day, I did way more swifting um and yeah i did some races and it is ridiculous how hard it went off i remember a couple of times just being spat out the back straight away and being like oh my god what am i going to do like do i just like exit this race or do i hope other people drop back with me um 
but yeah no it's a really good tool and being able to do races like that when you need a bit of motivation to just get a session done um it's like it's a good option for sure the other good thing about it is the data like in the immediate data feedback which is always handy for a training session i know athletes use that quite a bit to be able to stay within zones and program your own sessions into uh into zwift too i don't know if that's something that you guys have ever done yeah no um I actually programmed a session in the other day and then, you know, exactly what watch you're doing. Um, you can see your watts per kilo, um, which is really handy. Um, so, yeah, to get... And it's easier than doing it on the road sometimes because with the road, if you get stuck at traffic lights or you get stuck behind a car, um, not that we're going that fast, but the windy roads, it can um, it can interfere with sessions if you want to get the exact um, minutes done into exact watts. It's a, it's a good tool to use. There's no traffic lights in Watopia, which is unfortunate for me because I, sometimes I think it would be nice. I would be happy to stop at the lights for a couple of minutes, just look around, yeah. and give myself it's a rest. Why so, it's so hard on the legs, isn't it? Because there's no freewheeling really at any point, whereas outside you get corner and you can just like chill out a little bit. You don't yeah. realise how much that just, it saves the legs really. Well, I feel like if someone only trained on Zwift, you know, and they were doing 100Ks on Zwift every weekend, and then they went and did 100Ks in the real world, they'd win races. They'd be like, I didn't realise I could do it so quickly. Yeah, because yeah, I'd agree with My avatar's you. like, just stops. He's just like, nah, I'm done. I'm like, yeah, oh, it's so just, much harder. Yeah, give me some movement. Like, my trainer's like, yeah. like, it's not fair. It's not fair at all. Um, so, I, you know what? I didn't know that you, that you Tom was your partner. When I was watching him in, in the middle of last year in the lead up to the games, I felt sorry for him. Had a tough yeah. run trying to get that spot. Yeah, it was, it was a big ask. Unfortunately, he got injured. with um, He had plantar fascia problems at the end of the, um, the season before, which just meant he couldn't do some key races to get extra points. Um, and then it put a lot of pressure on the start of the season and he was racing in different continents every weekend and it was just it was just a bit much in the end really um, but yeah it was hard it was obviously hard for Tom it was hard for everyone to sort because you see how hard people train um, yeah it was a tough a tough time but he's a really positive guy and he just loves what he does so he's always good at just turning it around and seeing the positive out of the situation really he always says like i'm doing my hobby as my job so i can't complain too much that's a good way to look at it i feel the same way about this yeah feel like a job really talk to all these elite athletes i I especially like that you know there's all this talk around it that that he was getting a spot if they got the spot it would go to alistair brownlee yeah you know for him to turn up to all those races knowing that even if he got the spot he might not get the spot is um is very commendable yeah, yeah, he's a he's a good team player, um, and I guess a little bit of your hopes that if you race, because a few years ago he had an amazing season that if you'd race like that, you could end up qualifying it for yourself. Um, but yeah, it just didn't quite turn out like that. But I think it's been a massive learning curve um, for British triathlon, especially on the men's side. Of that, you just you need we need to get a few more mountain ranked inside the top thirty because relying on three and one getting injured was just. Yeah, it could happen. Any, it could happen to anyone, really. So, yeah, we've definitely, hopefully, be more prepared next time around. All right, we're going to see you very soon uh, out there. With you won't look like that either. You look very fresh right now. You're going to look uh, like a bit beat up, and it's not good. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to have. I have lollies next to me when I'm doing the commentary with Maka, and, and I can watch you guys in a lot of pain. But before we go, tell me one thing. 
tell me what I'm going to ask you two questions actually. Tell me one thing about being a professional triathlete that people don't know. I mean, it always sounds really like everyone who's watching this is like, well, I'd love to do that. I can just swim, bike, and run. That's what I do for fun. But it's not. It, when you get into it, it's it's a hard, it can be a hard slog. It can be a lonely slog. Like I mean, what like when you when you describe being a professional triathlete, what, what's what's the first thing that people don't are surprised by? I suppose. Um, I think they're surprised by um, like we don't really tend to have days off. I think they like we had a gym coach the other day who just assumed we had some days off, and she literally couldn't believe that we just don't have a weekend. We we're like, no, you train we like do our job every single day week on week on week like it's not a you don't just train for like Monday to Friday and then just get your weekends off as well um so yeah it was really funny that she just had assumed this whole time that we were having Sundays off we're like when we were walking into the gym tired on a Monday did you not realize we'd been out riding the day before and she was like, like no it wouldn't really work if you just went Monday to Friday nine to five and then Friday afternoon came and you just went down the pub and had 10 pints Switched off, yeah, yeah. So it is a, it's a full working week every single week for sure. Yeah, well, you're really taking your work home with you when your work is your body. You're yeah, yeah. So definitely, even mm. then, you have to like, yeah, think about what you're eating. You've got to get your recovery right, and yeah, there's a lot to think about. Now, there's a lot that goes into it, and it's not as if you're, you know, rolling in dough either. You're not, you're not Cristiano Ronaldo, and it's, it takes a lot of. Um, takes a lot of motivation to continue to get up and do it every day, especially with the headwinds that you've been through. So we really appreciate that. And thank you so much for time, for your time to tell us a bit more about yourself and, and so that when people are watching uh, this weekend in London and you can get all the details at superleaguetriathlon.com, they know a little bit more about Sian Rainsley when you end up with a, well, it's not a shock to us, but maybe to them it'll be a shock victory when you win by two minutes over Jess Lima. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be that'd be very nice. <laughs> Mate, thank we'll you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll see you out there. Thank Enjoy you. the Super League experience. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I definitely will. <laughs>